Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, wait until you hear how government scientists are inventing things on our dime, then profiting personally from royalties after the inventions are sold to pharmaceutical companies and other private industry companies. All kinds of things go on in government every day that if they happen in private industry, well, it would be a big scandal. It might even be illegal. The federal government and the bureaucracy have become so large so powerful and so persistent that there are endless rules and laws they've made and passed that enrich and benefit themselves, and it seems there's little that ordinary people can do about it. This week on Full Measure, Sunday, February 26th, I'm going to take a look at the example of government scientists earning royalties from inventions they discover while working for us and getting paid for the discoveries when they're sold to private companies like the pharmaceutical industry where they are then considered proprietary rather than public, and then the pharmaceutical industry shares the royalties back with the scientists. It's as if we, the taxpayers, are subsidizing an invention arm for private industry that works for the financial benefit of the companies and the scientists, but not the taxpayers who are footing the bills. A nonprofit watchdog group, which has dug deeply into this, is called Open the Books, and it's produced some startling results. In this podcast, we hear an extended interview with founder and CEO of Open the Books, Adam Angievsky. Can you frame this investigation that you did that had to do with potential ethical conflicts of interest within the National Institutes of Health? And I think a lot of people started paying attention to this when Dr. Anthony Fauci head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, was questioned about the money he might be making on the side, some would say, through things that he has, that he deals with in his public role. And he literally told Congress, more or less, it's none of your business. I don't have to tell you these things, which is pretty surprising because it would seem to be important. So during the pandemic, I think the American people started to ask the question, just how close is big government to big pharma? And Cheryl, now we know the answer to that question because of our work at OpenTheBooks.com. Every single year, the NIH doles out about $32 billion worth of federal grant making to 56,000 recipients. And that buys you a lot of friends within the entire healthcare complex across the country. Now we know coming back through the other door over the course of the last 12 years was hundreds of millions of dollars of third-party royalty payments paid in secret to government scientists. 2,407 scientists received over that 12-year period, according to the NIH disclosures to our organization, 
$325 million. Now, all of that payment stream on third-party payments has been hidden. We filed a Freedom of Information Act request for that database 17 months ago. It hadn't received scrutiny since 2005 when the Associated Press got the entire database. NIH ignored our Freedom of Information Act request, so with Judicial Watch as our lawyers, we sued NIH for the database. Starting in February of 2022, they admitted to holding 3,000 pages covering the period 2010 through 2021 of line-by-line royalty payments to scientists. It took them 10 months to produce those 3,000 pages, and when we distilled and quantified the numbers, it was $325 million. But still, they're acting like they have a lot to hide. But for employing forensic data scientists at OpenTheBooks.com, the entire disclosure would have been worthless, because here's what they redacted. They redacted the name of the third-party payer. Think pharmaceutical company. We don't know who paid it. We don't know how much each individual scientist received. We can only see their names and count the number of times that each scientist received a payment. And they also redacted the invention, the license number or the patent number. So we don't know. We don't know who received how much based on what invention. And we don't know who paid. Can you break this down in really simple terms? Because I think... This is a little hard to follow. People may not understand that government scientists and government employment are taking part in inventions partnerships with private companies and then receiving payments from the private companies in in terms of royalties or some other payments. Did I describe that correctly or can you make it clearer? Yes, you described it correctly. So here's how the third party royalty complex works. You have a government scientist funded by taxpayers. And they work in a government lab that's also funded by taxpayers. And when they have an invention, they have a special situation. The the NIH, National Institutes of Health, then licenses that invention. An invention meaning a drug or a device? Yes. Okay. To or therapeutic, um, to the private sector. And the private sector then pays royalties back to NIH. NIH then distributes those royalties on a split, a royalty split schedule back to the scientist. So over the course of the last 12 years, the total amount of payments from the industry on licenses to NIH in total has amounted to $1.35 billion. The split to the scientists as disclosed by NIH has been $325 million. So this is a secret stream of third-party royalty payments that has enriched the agency its leaders, like Fauci, former head of the NIH, Francis Collins, certain heads of institutes at NIH, and 2,407 of its scientists. How does this stand, do you think, to impact the work the government does on behalf of public health? What conflicts arise? So every single one of those individual third-party royalty payments has the appearance of a conflict of interest. And that's been the position of OpenTheBooks.com, but it is also the position in the U.S. House appropriations hearing with acting NIH Director Lawrence Tabak in the hot seat being questioned by Michigan Representative John Molinaire. And after three minutes of questioning on the conflicts, on ethical conflicts, potential pay-to-play issues, Molinaire admits, yes, every single line 
has the appearance of a conflict of interest, but trust us, we have firewalls in place. In the big picture, could things like this stand to impact the government's policy when it comes to COVID or other public health issues in terms of what they recommend, what they don't recommend? So the first COVID-19 vaccine to get use authorization outside of the national emergency was the vaccine, was the Pfizer vaccine, the commodity vaccine. And commodity is licensed through NIH on a royalty sharing agreement. So in 2020, the NIH received on all of their licenses, $63 million of third party royalties. In 2021, the agency admits in their annual report, that number jumped to $127 million in large part because of the Pfizer license. NIH has received tens of millions of dollars from Pfizer on their COVID-19 vaccine. Does that mean NIH helped invent the vaccine and then licensed some of the technology to Pfizer? Yes. What does that imply? Right. Exactly. That NIH invented certain aspects of the vaccine that was licensed to Pfizer when they developed it, they have to pay that royalty. And so, and so NIH is receiving tens of millions of dollars uh, from Pfizer on those royalty payments. And it's interesting, you know, at arm's length, what I'm going to say next is very interesting. The Pfizer vaccine receives the first use authorization from the FDA to be used outside of a national emergency. So think about that. If the president ended the national emergency on COVID-19, Pfizer was the first vaccine and would have been the only player in the COVID-19 vaccine space. But what happened? There were other vaccines. Right. There was a vaccine uh, with Moderna and NIH sued Moderna to get on the patent application. Moderna left NIH off of that patent uh, application and NIH sued to go on it. And discussions are ongoing and Moderna says they'll cut NIH in as well on third party licensed royalty payments. As an outsider, it seems to me that government scientists working on technology and inventions on our time, we, the public, own the resulting product and that if it's licensed to a private company and the company pays back, it should pay us back, meaning taxpayers. That should go against the the budget, not to the individual scientists. How is it they're able to reap an individual benefit? So there are so many issues in play, but the government scientists, they do have a special deal that doesn't exist in the private sector. If you're a government scientist at, say, Pfizer, and if you come up with a discovery, you don't get the royalty payments. Pfizer gets the royalty payments. But the government scientists, the uh, right to be able to accept these third-party paid royalties. Now, in 2005, when this database last had transparency and scrutiny from the Associated Press via Freedom of Information Act request, the complex on third-party royalties was a lot smaller. There was 917 scientists participating. Today, there's 2,407. There was $8.9 million worth of payments to scientists. And in some years, there's up to $36 million today in payments to scientists. The total royalties into the NIH in 2004 was $56 million. And today, uh, in 2021, that number has risen to $127 million. So the complex and the, and the numbers in play are a lot larger today. But even in 2004, there was 51 scientists that had burned down, by their own admission, the firewall 
between uh, their inventions and their acceptance of royalties and the continued work on their invention with additional taxpayer dollars. And one of those 51 scientists was none other than Anthony Fauci. He had accepted $45,000 between 1997 and 2004 for the invention of an AIDS drug with his deputy at his, his institute, Clifford Lane. Fauci recognized the conflict of interest on its face. They had put $36 million worth of taxpayer money into enhancing his own invention, and he's the director of the institute, and he said he would donate his royalties to charity. His deputy, Clifford Lane, said he wouldn't donate his royalties to charity, but he would keep those dollars. What have you been able to learn in the latest disclosures about Anthony Fauci's royalty payments? So Anthony Fauci received between 2010 and 2017 about 24 royalty payments. He's not a large royalty receiver. Again, we can't see the amounts that he's received, but we can count the number of times he's received a payment. We, his congressional testimonies, he's represented that his royalties are de minimis. They're not a lot of money. However, his institute at NIH, there's 27 institutes, and his institute is the number two largest receiver of royalty payments. So a lot of scientists are receiving a, around, so a lot of scientists around Anthony Fauci are receiving a lot of third party royalty payments and he's presiding over that complex to enrich his institute and his scientists. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What about the case of Robert Gallo? So Robert Gallo is one of the foremost scientists in the AIDS space. So back in the middle 1990s, he discovered the virus that created HIV. There was controversy around this because the Pasteur Institute in France said he used their technologies to come up with his findings. It got to, su they sued NIH over the patent royalties and over the discovery, and it got to such a level that the two heads of state, President Reagan and uh, in France, Mitterrand, they had a negotiated deal where they would agree to split the credit and split the royalties. That led to Gallo allegedly being forced out of the NIH in, 1990, in 1995. In 1996, Gallo goes over to the University of Maryland 
and, and with $16 million of appropriation, founds the Institute for Human Virology. From 2008 through 2021, that institute alone has taken nearly a half billion dollars worth of federal grants out of the, out of health and human services and other federal agencies, the Centers for Disease Control, the National Institutes of Health itself on federal grant making for the projects that they are working on. Robert Gallo also then spun off from that government institute a for-profit entity called Prospectus. Prospectus has received about $140 million worth of grant making from Health and Human Services and the Department of Defense. Gallo wasn't done. In 2011, he founds a nonprofit organization. So now he's got a government organization where he receives at the University of Maryland a salary of $750,000 a year. He had his for-profit entity designed to monetize his findings from his government institute. And now he's got a nonprofit institute called the Global uh, Virus Network. And, that, and members of that include the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the federal FDA, and his own institute back at the University of Maryland, the Institute for Human Virology. So when Robert Gallo authors an editorial at the Washington Post saying, we don't really need to know the origin of COVID, it all comes back to potential conflict of interest, insiderism, and relationships that Robert Gallo has perfected over the course of the last 30 years. What about the case of Dr. Robert Lowy? So Robert Lowy, so since 2015, over at the National Cancer Institute, again, they're one of the 27 institutes at the National Institutes of Health. The National Cancer Institute is the institute that has received the most third-party royalties out of any any other institute. And since 2015, Lowy, uh, at what at parts of three times has been the acting director for about half the time since 2015 at that institute. And Lowy is also one of the top recipients. He's in the top 50 recipients out of 2,400 NAH scientists on the receipt of third party royalties. He's an active scientist. He's currently publishing. He also heads up and is the chief of the, of an oncology lab over at the National Cancer Institute. So here you have the acting director since 2015 on virtually half the time participating in science and, and receiving royalties while he makes, while he makes decisions and directs the, the institute and also participates and publishes in science. So we want to know from Lawrence Tabak, where's the firewalls with that? And can we trust NIH? It's always trust but verify. If you can't follow the money from the outside, if you can't verify that the rules in place uh, are actually firewalls, uh, we need to be able to follow, follow the money. What justification did the government give for withholding the details on which scientists were getting how much money from what companies? Seems to me that would be a required disclosure because they are working for us on public time, paid with public salaries, using public facilities. Seems like they would have to give that. So there are exceptions to the Freedom of Information Act where an eight federal agency could redact sensitive information. So the NIH, and we don't agree with this, we're in federal court right now with our lawyers' judicial watch attempting to unredact the database. Uh, 
they have cited exemptions on trade secrets and and the personal privacy of its scientists. And we vehemently disagree with with both of those exceptions. What are the outstanding questions to be answered in sort of the big picture, not about the individual scientists, but from a public standpoint? We need to be able to follow the money. The American people rightfully suspect during the pandemic that big government was very close to big pharma. And without being able to follow the money on a line-by-line basis of who, which scientist is receiving how much from what entity for what invention, you simply can't follow the money, you can't do outside oversight, and unelected bureaucrats are running the entire American healthcare complex without any scrutiny. They're basically telling the American people, sit down, shut up, pay up, will run things. And that's not how the federal government is supposed to operate. And then my last question has to do with, if you have an idea how much funding comes through NIH, I know there's a lot of, um, for research, I know there's research funding that comes directly from the pharmaceutical industry, but I assume NIH is the biggest grantor of research funds outside of that, which implies a whole lot about the con- kind of control Government bureaucrats who may have political or other personal motivations, how much they can do to sort of control the research landscape in this country. So our data shows at OpenTheBooks.com that every single year, NIH doles out $32 billion in federal grant making to 56,000 entities. And that basically buys you the entire American healthcare space, buys you a lot of friends, buys you a lot of allies. And there's great incentive to stay on the establishment narratives that NIH uh, disseminates on public health policy. So, so are you as a as in the healthcare space? Um, uh, NIH basically they're the six hundred pound gorilla. Well, and I will just say in closing that I'm aware of several examples firsthand that I know of scientists who are doing research that you would say would be off the narrative of what the government wanted, and their institutions reached down and stopped the research of a scientist, for uh, perhaps for the reasons that we've discussed today. But that can mean that important research never gets published or done, while other research does. Well, and, and quite simply, we need to be able to follow the money, because here's another example that our auditors at OpenTheBooks.com have tied out from the database. So you've got a uh, NIH scientist. His name is Robert Coton. He left the agency in 2014. In 2016, he founds a for-profit uh, entity called Generational Bio. And Generational Bio, in a 2018 press release, admits that they are using Coton's technologies that he, that he worked on at NIH within their for-profit business. By 2019, they're just, they're very public. They reach out to NIH. They want an exclusive license for the very technology that Coton patented. They want to license it. They eventually get a non-exclusive license. So think about this. Coton, uh, on the tax paradigm, has an invention, leaves the agency, is receiving royalties, his own for-profit business licenses his invention and essentially pays himself royalties for his invention so he can monetize that personally in his for-profit company. And this is why we need to be able to follow the money. Coton is just one scientist out of 2,407 scientists. How many other times is this going on? 
And look, at arm's length, maybe all of this is entirely legal, but it certainly needs sunshine. I hope you'll watch this week's full measure on Sunday, February 26th. I'm also going to have an eye-opening report from South America about how China is buying influence and control right there in our backyard and why it matters to all of us. I hope you enjoy today's podcast and that if so, you'll leave a great review, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends. Also, if you like independent reporting, particularly on underreported topics, check out my other podcast, The Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. You can find a station list for Full Measure, by the way, at CherylAckeson.com. Click the Full Measure tab and you'll see a list of stations and times. Now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking the Store tab for some thought-provoking and fun products, including some new slogans like, I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All my old ones came true. And do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. That's at CherylAckeson.com on the store tab with proceeds going to independent reporting causes like the Ion Awards.